enjoy regaling Las Vegas friends with stories of my many journeys throughout the small towns of Nevada. There's always a natural wonder to be described or a unique local happening. I like to think it encourages people to explore our very big backyard. We are a big state, seventh largest in the U.S. So when we got the chance to talk with longtime Nevada travel writer John Gliona, we booked that journey. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk with John about the stories he's gathered in his new book, Outback Nevada, in advance of his appearance at the Las Vegas Book Festival downtown this weekend. It's Tuesday, October 18th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Hey, John Gliona, welcome to CityCast Las Vegas. Hi, David. Great to see you. You've traveled and written extensively on Nevada, so I'm excited to talk to you today about ye old city of Las Vegas versus that rural divide that I'm sure you've seen on your journeys. Let's start this way. Las Vegas's beginnings are very similar to a lot of the rural cities. How, how did we become Las Vegas and they stayed Tonopah? It might be a, a matter of, of water. I think uh, it's certainly gaming and gambling had a lot to do with it. When the, our, our friends from New York moved out and started establishing Las Vegas, I think the Hoover Dam in the early part of the century helped fuel Vegas' growth. Just think about it, though. What would Vegas be today without the Hoover Dam or without, say, gaming didn't come to the state? Our, our history, we were known for sort of our mining past. And, and nothing else. What would Vegas be? Would, it, would we have the sprawl that we have today? I'm not sure. Would, we, would Vegas be Tonopah, you know, south? And it, it, it's a good question. But uh, the history books have already been written. And so here we have what we have, a huge city. Yeah. And, and when I do travel around this, uh, the state, which I love doing too, I see, uh, you know, small and medium rural towns alike that look a lot like old photos of Las Vegas. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the uh, indigenous peoples and the white settlers who came in, obviously, there, there wasn't a hell of a lot of water in, in our state. And they, they migrated to where the water was. And so that's where they stayed. And, you know, what I love about traveling in our state uh, is the basin and range aspect of our geography, where mm. if you look at maps, the, the, all the mountain ranges run north and south. And so if you're driving up to, say, Tonopah, you're driving up you know, you're always looking on either side of you, you know, these mountain ranges. But if you take the blue highways across our state, you know, east, you know, some east to west or vice versa, you're, it's a roller coaster. You're up and down. But going north and south, from our perspective in the south, it's, uh, it's like, you know, driving down bowling alleys, you know. And uh, so uh, it, it is it, it is a uh, it is wonderfully untouched in places. Yeah. And what are some of those old timey cities uh, or towns that you really enjoy in your journeys around the state? It's like looking at a map and looking at all the fascinating, all the fascinating little towns and just listen to some of these places. They just, to me, sound, they sound just sort of romantic. I mean, Puckerbrush, Gabs, Scotty's Junction, Blackjack, Carp and Duckwater, Fatty Martin Lake, Toad Jam Mountain, Winnemucca. Stagecoach, Steamboat, Lovelock, Deeth, which rhymes with teeth, Tunnel, 
sulfur, pine nut, Slim Creek, and Adverse. And don't forget the old mining town known as Dinner Table or Ativan, which is Nevada spelled backwards. I could go on. Beer Bottle Pass, Parachute Canyon, Owaki, which Owakiers were settlers wanted to name it after a, town, after a river in Hawaii, but they couldn't spell very well. There are places borrowed from native the Native American tongue, uh, Paiute, Dashut, and Mojave, and Shoshone, and Washoe. There's a town of Jarbidge, which allegedly means devil in Shoshone. And interestingly enough, and one thing that I had learned, we see a couple of towns like Pahrump and Tonopah, in, uh, in Paiute means water. So I think Tonopah, I'm not sure what the Tono means, but I know that Pahrump means water runs under it. So, you know, there's an interesting collection of names that are just sort of funny names that maybe settlers did around the campfire, and then names that go back, you know, to the indigenous people who lived here. So it's a drive to the past, heading north. I always say, as soon as you get the Indian Springs, you hit the real Nevada. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of interesting points along the way. When you talk with folks out in the rurals, it seems like they hate Las Vegas a lot. Do you, do you hear that when you go to the rurals? What do you hear? Well, I wouldn't even go that far because it, to hate something, you have to think about it. They, they don't, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, ouch. seriously, they, they don't think about it. I just spent several months in rural Nevada out in McDermott, well, which is on the 95 north out of Winnemucca, right at the Oregon border. A couple hundred folks in town, a Native American reservation, a Paiute reservation there. And I, I spent time there writing about a book about the demise of high school football in a diminished town. Mm. And, you know, people never talked about Las Vegas unless I brought it up. They might, if I asked them, they'd say that they spent some time there. They might have went gambling. But it's like nobody stands back and says, whoa, you're from Las Vegas. Wow. For these people... But the metropolis is the closest town they go to. If you live in McDermott, you're, the place that you think about is Winnemucca, which is 75 miles to the south. There's restaurants there. There's car washes. There's doctors. There's a Walmart on uh, Potato Lane. I love the name of that place. And so they don't really think about Las Vegas, nor do we much, you know, if you think about it, unless you have an acquired taste for, for rural settings. You ask the average Las Vegan if he's ever been out north of Beatty. Some people will ask you, where's Beatty? They don't, yeah, we don't yeah. think they about it. They don't realize it's like less than two hours away. We're in so. our own, we, we seem to be in our own silos. And that's a problem maybe here and, and, and nationally, uh, especially in today's political climate. I, here's the weird part, John. It, it, you know, I, I think everyone realizes because Clark County is so big and so much money is generated here that revenues from Clark County go into that general fund for Nevada that then get redistributed into a lot of areas where the rurals rely upon it. And yet, I think there still is that divide. You know, certainly when you look at how people are voting or what issues are most important or how when issues from Clark County come up, such as water, the people who live in the rurals are very antagonistic to what they view as the Las Vegas way or Las Vegas culture. Do you not see that? Or am I just unlucky enough to, you know, walk into these places and they peg me as someone they want to make fun of? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I was uh, a friend of mine went in and ordered a, uh, he went into Virginia city and he's a, he's a city boy and he ordered a Manhattan with some other drink and they, they, they wouldn't serve it to him unless he told them what was in it because they didn't like them fancy names for drinks. Yeah. And, but the, if you look at pipeline, you know, when you're talking about the money pipeline coming from the tax base where, where most of the people live going up to the to the rural areas, they don't see that. They, the pipeline they see 
is underground and it's the pipeline proposed to suck, you know, the aquifer dry up in, you know, the Great Basin where farmers and Native Americans and live. If they do think of Las Vegas and it is the great untamed sore beast in the southern part of the state that is that threatening, you know, the way they live. And you're not if you walk into some places and, you know, it's like anywhere else, you walk into a bar or country store and and you start asking questions and you identify yourself as an urbanite coming from Las Vegas. And I happened to do that for a story a couple of years ago, 2016, I was, I did a piece of the review journal where I went up to Austin and Austin had the international bar run by the Serbian guy who had established himself as Donald Trump central. Mm-hmm. And he had signs out there. So I, I thought it was just fascinating that he was so blatant about it and, and proud of it. And it was good for him. But I went up and when I walked in, he greeted me. And he looked, took one look at me and he says, you're not some kind of liberal, are you? And I, I said, you know, just let's get the ground rules straight. I said, I am your typical prototype tree-hugging journalist liberal. And we stand on both sides, but we got to, you know, can we meet in the middle? And he was very suspicious of me. But we found a common ground. He knew I was a messenger. He didn't shoot me. He let me report and he let me leave. But I talked to people who were driving through and they you know, when they're driving along Highway 50 and if they were from Salt Lake City and they're going to Reno and they saw his signs, they didn't stop because they didn't want to walk into that kind of uh, that kind of atmosphere. So I, I when I was up in McDermott, I pretty much assumed that I was in the, the, the red belt of our state. And I saw that the Trump stickers and, and, and all, all of the signs. And I just chose to not to go through that prism in relating to people because that it was kind of a dead end because people took their stand as soon as you presented yourself. I presented myself as somebody from a big city that is fascinated with the place they live and I wanted to learn all about it. I wasn't coming to change it or take their water or tell them how to think. You know, one of the and you mentioned Trump and, you know, certainly that is uh, its own universe of anomaly and and how people uh, react to even, you know, the signage. I want to talk about a different political figure who I often associate with sort of this urban rural divide, and that's Harry Reid. Harry Reid, who, if if people don't know, was the Senate Majority Leader, came out of Nevada while he lived most of his uh, adult life in southern Nevada, in Henderson, Las Vegas area. He is actually from a rural searchlight. But, you know, people definitely had opinions about Harry Reid uh, as you traveled out the, the state. Do you think that maybe the divide on, on Reid was a, oh, a political strain uh, between you know, the, the urbans and the rurals that is worth noting? You know, the, the first thing a journalist learns, at least in the last decade when he arrived in Las Vegas, is uh, that Harry Reid was from Searchlight and proud of it. And we all drove down to Searchlight and talked to folks about Harry and growing up. But most people don't remember Harry's humble roots. <clears throat> they remember Harry as a Democratic power broker. And so folks that I talked to, and more than once, just scratched their heads of how we could take the name McCarran off an airport and put the name Harry Reid on there. They would never, yeah. never call it that. It's the Vegas airport to people who, who who live outside Las Vegas. Yeah. I'm wondering if there is a way to make us all feel more connected, the people who live here in Las Vegas and, and all those folks that you've encountered over the years and written about. 
What do you think? Is, is there a way? That, well, that's a good, you know, I was on a panel two and a half weeks ago at the Reno Lit Crawl, and we were talking about exactly this thing about how you bridge that divide. And I think that the people in the audience were both rural and, and urban, urbanites from Reno, and nobody really had any good answers. It's like, maybe it's, I think perhaps, and I, I don't mean to sort of try to sell my book here, but it, the idea is that, uh, you know, if you read about these people and you, you pick up a book that that somebody goes and they don't go in with a p- political agenda to go out, but most urban reporters go out to the countryside to write if there's, you know, reaction to a news event or writing about the decline or whatever. If you just go and write about the people who live there and you publish it in people who live in urban areas see those things, they might say, well, they're not much different than we are. We have homes. We love our kids. We send them to schools. We may be politically different, but it's time to somebody I could have a beer with from both sides. And so, but they don't visit one another. We both know that other than you and I and a handful of us, as we've talked about, you know, people ask the question and they've always said, and I wrote about this in the prologue to my collection, People don't think there's anything out there between Reno and, and Las Vegas. They they have this conception of, you know, the uh, Area 51. Dirt. A lot dirt, of dirt and dirt, military installations. Yeah, rubble, that's what and, they think. And aliens and like God who would live out there. And I, I don't have anything to say to them. And man, it, 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 it couldn't be farther from the truth. Yeah, yeah. In your book, which it's okay for you to push because you are the <laughs> author and it is your baby in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I this think people my... should read it because it's enjoyable. Um, you write in the prologue, rural Nevada always seems to throw you a surprise. What would surprise a Las Vegan in any given rural? What, what would be a good example of a surprise? Well, here's a surprise that threw me that's not in the book, but it says a lot about what you find in rural Nevada. I was in Northern Nevada working on a story a few years ago, and I was driving back with David Becker, uh, who's uh, one of the great, great freelancers in our community. We were working on a story for the review journal and we stopped in a, in a roadhouse. And I I can't say where it is. And you'll know in a second, we were in the roadhouse having coffee in the morning, about nine o'clock. There were guys at the bar having beer and there's bras and on the ceiling and caps and just the kind of, you know, really central casting roadhouse. And I looked right. across the room. I looked across the room and I saw a guy who, who was probably, you know, very gaunt, you know, in his sixties. And I, I made eye contact with him and he held my gaze in a really, really uncomfortable way. And he looked and I looked and finally I looked down and I said to Dave, check out that dude. David looked and David got the same response. And so we went up to the bar when I got a refill of coffee and I said to the bartender, who's that? And she said, oh, that's just Ted. Ted came in here a few years ago. And Ted's story was he was released from a California mental institution. Ted, Ted was given a bike, got on his bike, rode into Nevada. And on some hot day, he almost died of like loss of water right out front of this place. And this bar and its family adopted him. And he has lived there for several years now. Wow, Ted, he's like the bookstore cat <laughs> of the bar. <laughs> he's the bookstore cat of the bar, but he's got this this backstory which I fell in love with. She said, "Well, you know, Ted has multiple personalities, and one of them is a woman." And I said, "Well, how do you know?" And she said, "Well, he'll start one day. He'll walk in speaking in a falsetto." And I, I said, "Is the owner around?" So she came over, and I told her, "I said, 
And she told me a story that, that Ted has been there for a while. And one of the local bars down the road also started passing some dirt that Ted was a danger to the community because he was a mental health, mental hospital release. So there was actually a physical fight between the patrons of this bar with some others because they were defending Ted's reputation. And that, to me, said something about rural rural Nevada and its acceptance of people who who are from outside and would, might not be even accepted in, in cities. And, you know, what's best about that story is that you described that roadhouse, but that could be, in my mind, at least a dozen, if not more different places around the state. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you did yeah. a good job <laughs> keeping his anonymity there. John, this has been a pleasure talking to you. And, you know, the stories that you've gathered are both entertaining and I think important for people to understand that it is sort of a one Nevada out there and we all kind of have that same DNA in us. We really look forward to seeing you at the Las Vegas Book Festival on October 22nd. John Gleona, thank you for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas. I love you guys. See ya. And before you go, here's some news. Will Nevada be among the next states to ban gas-powered cars? Maybe. State officials are in the early stages of a process that would have the state look at banning new fossil-fueled vehicles by 2035, following the lead of California and New York. You may want to put your order in for one now, though, what with the supply chain slowdown and all that. Speaking of fun rural trips, here's something for your to-do list. On Saturday, the famous Walking Box Ranch near Searchlight will open to the public for the first time in a decade. Built in 1931 by legendary silent film cowboy Rex Bell and it girl Clara Bow, it was a getaway spot for numerous Hollywood stars over the years. UNLV's public history program will host a day of public tours. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Did we make you want to take that road trip to rural Nevada? Good. Bring a friend and listen to our show on your way there. You can actually download a couple. Don't forget to rate us too, leave a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. I'm going to name a bunch of smaller towns in Nevada, and I want you to just give me the one or two word thought, description, whatever. Uh, so you ready for this? Are you I'm, up to this task? I'm ready. I'm ready. West Wendover. Cowboy. Gay mayor. Lovelock. Scabies. Oh, no. All right. And now I'm going to end with a bigger a bigger. I did town. a story about that, by the way, guys, once away, that there was a problem in the schools, and, and I talked to a nurse, and I every got time you. I drive by Lovelock, I'm, I'm so sorry, Lovelockians. Yeah, no, no worries. For me, it's about the prison, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Uh, last one, Elko. Elko. Gosh. God ugly. God ugly. Oh, John. I'm sorry, Elko. Do you, no, I, that's, you know. Go to, it, go, it, if it, you go to Elko, go to Lamoille. It's like Elko. I mean, go to Ely. Ely is so beautiful. It's set. And Elko, you just got there and you just kind of shake your head. I mean, I love Elko. I love the culture, but gosh darn. <laughs>